you have your Bibles, Exodus, Exodus chapter 14. Now, have you ever been in a, a bind? Have you ever been in a pinch? Have you ever been in a pickle? I don't know what word you use, but have you ever been in one of those predicaments? Maybe it's just as simple as you were running late and you're trying to get to that next appointment, whatever it is, and you seem to hit every red light and it just keeps happening. And then you get behind a car that's going slow. So you're trying to get over in the next lane and that car's going slow as well and you can't get around. And then finally you get around one of them. There's a break and you get around them only to find there was a policeman sitting right there in front of you. And the day just keeps getting worse and worse, right? Have you ever been in one of those binds, a pickle, a predicament? Now, um, there was a philosopher. His name is Abraham Kaplan. Here's what he does. He makes a distinction between problems and predicaments. Here's what he says. A problem is something that you can do something about. So a problem is something that you can do something about. If you can't do something about it, then it's not a problem. It's a predicament. So what's a predicament? That means that it is something that must be coped with and endured. What do you do when there's nothing that you can do? Where do you turn? What do you do when there's nothing to do? There's nothing that you can do. Where do you turn? What do you do when there's nothing you can do? That's the title of the message today. Exodus chapter 14 is one of those epic stories Matter of fact, the entire Old Testament points back to this event that we're going to read about today. You hear about it, this is one of the main stories. If you ever came to church during your Sunday school years, you've heard this story. Matter of fact, if if you've watched in your life TV, you probably have even come across this movie, The Ten Commandments, with Charlton Heston. It's one of those epic movies. And even even if you watch it today, it's one of those those profound movies that even though their graphics are a little dated for us, we look back and think, man, they were way beyond their times. It's the parting of the Red Sea is what we're going to be talking about today. It is a phenomenal thought. It's a story that actually really happened. Matter of fact, it's something that we we get into the New Testament and they consistently point back to the the resurrection. The Old Testament consistently points back to this crossing of the Red Sea. It's monumental. And today, I'm excited to be able to share it with you because what do you do when you don't know what to do? When your back's against the wall. It's an incredible passage of how God is working. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to only read two verses, but we will be looking at the entire chapter in just a minute. So let's go down to verse 13, if you will. This one, this, this, these two verses right here alone, we could probably spend an entire 45 minutes on if we wanted to. But let's just read these. Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Incredible passage. You ready? Let's pray. Father, we are amazed at who you are. We're amazed by your love. We're amazed that you want to interact with us and we want to say thank you. As we move into this moment, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this place. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work through me, speak through me. God, I'm asking for you to show up. 
We came here today not just to have fun. We came here to hear from you. And so, God, as we sing songs, I pray that it's been a pleasing sound to you. And now as we get into this moment, I'm just asking that you would remove all distractions. God, give us the ears to hear so that, Father, we would hear exactly what you would want us to hear. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us the courage to apply it to our lives so that, Father, we walk out of here a different and a changed people because we've met with you. We ask all these great and wonderful things in your precious Son's name, the name that is above every name, the name by which every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Let's go ahead and let's dive into it. Remember last week as we talked through um, the plagues, we finished off with the, the Passover, and we talked about how that last plague, how the death angel came through the camp and came through, and it passed over. God's spirit passed over when he saw the blood, and all of Israel were saved when they put the blood on the doorpost. But then when the, the Lord visited Egypt, then all the firstborn were taken. All the firstborn died. And there was a cry that went throughout the entire land. And the Egyptians said, get out. And Pharaoh says, get out as fast as you can. We don't want you here anymore. And so as the, the Israelites are leaving, they were told to do something strange. They were told to take and ask for the Egyptians to give them gold, silver, to give them supplies. Which, as they traveled, they were going to need. As a matter of fact, why did they need all the gold? Isn't it interesting that God was providing and setting up? They had no idea what was about to happen. But... Egypt was plundered in one night, not by sword and not by a war, but by God saying, here I am, and showing up. And all the Israelites were just asking, can I have your gold? Can I have your silver? Can I have your necklaces? Can I have your jewelry? Can I have your earrings? And they give it away. Now, God had a plan for all that in just a little while. We'll find out as you go through Deuteronomy and Exodus and you go through that God was planning to actually provide a tabernacle. And they were going to use that gold so that there would be a place here on earth where people would come and and they would visit and they would see God's presence here in this place. So God had a plan. They didn't know about it yet, but God was going to do a great work. And as they're leaving, the people began to celebrate. So go back to chapter 13. Let me show you something here as we get going. Ready? Verse 18, chapter 13. Here's what the Bible says. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you. We're going to be looking at a lot of verses today. Grab a Bible in front, in, in the, the chair in front of you. Look on with a neighbor. Pull out your phone. Let's look at it because I'm going to be showing a lot. And we're not going to be putting as much up on the screens, all right? Here's what it said in, in verse 18 of chapter 13. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Now, here's what's important. They're leaving. As they leave Egypt, they begin heading south. And as they head south... Then God says, hey, I want you guys to do a U-turn. So they do a U-turn, and then they begin heading north. And it says, but God led them. Do you see that? I actually circled but, and then I underlined, God led them. Why is that important? Because it was God's plan to actually lead them to this place. You need to know that, and you need to catch it. Because here's where we begin. When you get into a bind, when you get into a pinch, when you get into a place in a circumstance that you can't control, and you have nothing that you can do about it, Quite often what we do is we get mad, we get frustrated, and now here's, I want, you to, I want you to know this, God had a plan, and he led them there. You, you see that? But God led them to the Red Sea. So they do backtracking. If you get out an old map, you'll see the backtracking, and God leads them to this spot. Now, as they get there, here's what the Bible says. 
And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Now, I want, to, I want you to see this. Remember, remember who Joseph was? How did Joseph get to the land of Egypt? Do you remember? Did he go because he was having a vacation, having fun? He didn't, right? He was actually sold by his brothers into slavery. He gets over there, and he's, he is a slave. And after being a slave for a little while, then he's falsely accused, put in prison, and he's sitting back going, God, what are you doing, right? God, why are you allowing all this junk to happen in my life? And the next thing you know, God raises him up in a moment and puts him as second in command so that they would save Israel and all of Joseph's family from the drought. Do you remember that? Remarkable. At the end of Joseph's life, Joseph does something strange. He, he's, he's, he's on his deathbed, and he calls his kids, calls his grandkids, and everybody comes around to say their last goodbyes. And he makes a strange promise. He says, God's going to show up, guys. He's going to show up in a mighty way. And I don't know when, and I don't know how, but God's going to show up. And when he shows up, I want you to take my bones with you. And I want you to go back to the promised land. I don't want to stay here. Now catch this. You ready? He had faith that was unseen. Watch. He had faith that was unrealized in his life. Most of us, here's how we play it out. Are you ready? Most of us want faith. And we want the faith and we say, God, I have great faith. And then we want God to show up and we want God to work so that we see it and enjoy it. Did you catch that? But God worked through Joseph and said, Joseph, you're not going to even see it. He saw it by faith, right? But he never saw it in his lifetime. Let me keep going for you. The next generation didn't see it. The next generation didn't see it. The next generation didn't see it. 430 years pass. Now follow this. Faith unrealized in your life might be the very faith that the next generation needs, and they will be the one who realize what God has already told you. Some of you have been praying for your kids. Some of you have been praying for your grandkids. Some of you have been praying for your mom and your dad. You've been praying for salvation for a friend or a colleague, and you've been praying and you've been asking. And I want to just encourage you. There is a chance. There is a chance that you will never see it come to pass in your lifetime. but it doesn't mean God's not working. Did you catch that? It doesn't mean God's not working in your life. And it doesn't mean that God might not do something. 430 years passed. Can you imagine the celebration as they're, they're, they're leaving and then somebody says, oh, we've got to go get some bones. We need to get a mummy. What a weird day. And they go, into the, they go into the pyramids, they go into the tombs, they go in and they have to find, right? And they get Joseph's body, and now they have to start traveling through the desert and the wilderness with a mummy. Now that makes a good story. Oh, be careful. He's bouncing around on the cart. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things that can happen. Hello. So here they are. They're traveling through. And now the Bible says in verse 21, here's how they begin to travel. And as they're traveling... Oh, this is amazing. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them, and along the way by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and night. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. 
did not depart from people of God. Wouldn't you love for God's presence just to show up in such a way that you could physically walk out and you could see a cloud? Hey, Heath, you need to go talk to somebody. And you watch the cloud and he begins to hover over somebody. Okay, I need to go talk to them. Or I need to go. Wouldn't it be nice to have fire just always blazing and saying, okay, that's where I need to go. And you, you know where to go. We sit back so many times, and this is where it gets so frustrating and it's hard because quite often we don't know what the next step is. But here's, what it, here's the promise. You ready? God's presence was promised to the people of Israel all the time. God promised to be with them. And here's the promise for you and I today. You ready? God promises his presence with you and I. When you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, guess who lives inside of you and takes residence up? The Holy Spirit. So when you're in a predicament, when you get into a bind, God is already with you in the middle of it. And you might not feel it, you might not think that he's around, but God's presence has never left you. Do you see it? Okay, so here we go. So we have God's presence with us, God is leading them, and God's moving, and now it says, verse 14. Then the Lord says, okay guys, Moses, this is where I want you to camp. So he camps right by the Red Sea. Now here's the problem. He can't go north because of the rocks. You can't go to the, to the west because Egypt is coming that way. And you can't go to the south because of the rocks. And then to your back is the Red Sea. God sets them in a perfect trap. With no place to run and no place to go. That's what you would call a divine predicament, right? There's nowhere to turn, nowhere to go. What do you do? How do you move forward? And here's what happens. Then God begins to say, hey, Moses, here's what's going to happen. Because you went south and because you then went north and you then kind of turned around a couple of times and you're not sure where you're going and I'm making it look a little fun and you're following me, here's what's going to happen. Pharaoh's going to hear that you have no navigation skills. Matter of fact, Pharaoh's going to hear that you're, you're a little crazy and maybe you don't know where you're going. And so here's what Pharaoh's going to do. God says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Look down in verse uh, 4. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. He's going to pursue you. And I'm going to get glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I'm the Lord. So here's what's going to happen, Moses. Pharaoh's going to hear about it. And now he's going to come thinking, I'm, finally, I'm going to get these guys back. and I'm going to trap them. But I've got a plan. And it's going to demonstrate who is the true and living God. Now watch. God's plan for your life, God's plan for your predicament, God's plan for whatever dead-end thing that you're in that you can't get out of, God's plan is for him to get the glory. Do you see it? That's his plan. That's his plan in your life. That's his plan in my life. That's his plan over and over again to demonstrate how mighty he is. And so he says, okay, Pharaoh's going to think he's trapped you. But Moses, guess what? It's really a trap. Have you ever set a trap for somebody? Maybe have you, have you ever set a trap? I remember as a kid, uh, my brother and I, we would, we would be out in the backyard, and we even we tried to set up booby traps, you know, and trying to hang, uh, trying to catch people and pull them up side down. We had a, we had a sandbox, Clint. You remember this? We, we, my brother's here today. He's in the back and over here. We had this sandbox, and we were out in the sandbox, and we were trying to do these, these traps, and I remember actually getting up, and I had this rope, and next thing you know, it ends up sliding up around, and I couldn't get out of it. I trapped myself. 
And then I'm screaming for dad. I'm screaming, and my brother's just laughing over there. I'm like, come on. And he had to go get dad. It was, it was one of those crazy moments. Pharaoh thinks he's smart. And he just lost his son, right? He didn't learn the lesson. He goes after. Here's the problem. When you're dealing with the Almighty, you can't ever outsmart him. And so Pharaoh comes after him. Now watch as we begin to play this out. So the Egyptians, they begin to pursue. And as they come over the horizon, here's what happens. Verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. Do they have a reason to fear? Let me ask you, is is there a legitimate reason to fear Pharaoh? He is the strongest man in the world. His army is the strongest army in the world. His chariots are the grandest chariots in the world. His foot soldiers, the grandest soldiers in the world. And here they are. There's no place to run. You can't run north. You can't run south. You're trapped by just the mere uh, rocks. You look, and here they come, and they see them coming down the slopes. And here they come, and they see the cloud. And the only thing that happens is the natural thing. It's fear. Doggone. And now they do something that's pretty remarkable. First of all, they pray. Look what it says. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. You have to applaud them, don't you? Going, good job. Way to go. And they pray and they cry out to God. So when you don't know where to go and you don't know where to turn, the first place that we should turn is to where? God, to look up. Now here's the problem. When we cry out to God, follow me. When we cry out to God, we expect him to answer and we expect him to answer immediately, don't we? What happens when God doesn't answer immediately? What do you do? We begin to become afraid. And then we do what they do here. Then they said to Moses. They begin to blame Moses and they begin to gripe. Hey, weren't there not enough graves in Egypt? It was better off if we would have stayed in Egypt. This is what we told you. We didn't really want to leave. It was better in Egypt. Now watch. When you are in a predicament, when you are in a bind, when you're in a pinch, when you have no place to turn, here's what happens. You cry out to God and you ask God to show up and he doesn't show up. So your faith becomes challenged and it's rocked to its core. Because now God's not doing what you've asked him to do. Are you following? And it's in those dead end moments that your fear becomes exposed The very things that you're depending on becomes exposed. And what God wants to do in those moments. You see, the Israelites, at their core, they still trusted Egypt more than they trusted God. That's why they wanted to go back to Egypt. Does that make sense? And it's exposed because God didn't show up the way they wanted. So their their fears realized and they're exposed. Their bad habits are realized. And what God does quite often is this. He allows the things that you cannot control to come into your life. To come into your life in such a way. Now watch. So that your fear is exposed. And so your dependency is revealed. And then you have to begin to say, Okay, God, I'm trusting more in my intellect than you. I'm trusting more in my finances than you. I'm trusting in my job more than you. I'm trusting in my spouse more than you. I'm trusting in... And you begin to lay it out. Does that make sense? And what God wanted to do is to help... The Israelites know it's not the Egyptians that you need to be afraid of. It's not the Egyptians that you need to worry about. I alone am God. 
And what God is wanting to do in your dead end moment, in your predicament, is that God wants you to fully get to the point where you can say, God, you and you alone. I can do nothing. It's all you and that's it. And the only way we learn it is by being in the predicament. You see it? Now watch. So here's what happens. So, verse 13. Moses stands up and says, fear not. I love that. One of the best things that we probably need to hear over and over again is don't be afraid. God's got this. God's bigger. Don't be afraid. Stop. Stop. Fear not. Stand firm. I, I could probably, we could again preach 45 minutes just on these few words. Fear not. That's one command. Stand firm. That's another command. See the salvation of the Lord. That's another command. Then he says this. The Lord's going to fight for you. What an incredible what an incredible promise. God wants to do a work in your life. God wants to fight. All you need to be is silent. The temptation is quite often to run and trying to get people on your side and talk. Maybe it's to not get quiet. And he's saying, just back up. Allow it to happen. So here we go. So now verse 15. He says, Moses, why are you praying? Why are you crying out to me? You ready? Go forward. Now, just play with me for just a second. Okay, going forward means going into the water. Does that make sense to anybody? There's two million people. The Egyptians are coming from the side. You can't go this way. You can't go this way. All you have to do is go there towards the water. That doesn't make sense. So, God, you want us to drown? You want us to go into the water, really? See, they don't know the story. And there are some times that God is just saying, I want you just to take the next step. And it's not going to make sense, and you're not going to understand it. And all you need to do is just be obedient and take the step. Just be obedient. Take the step. And it's not going to make sense. You just take the step. God, it's wet. It's cold. I don't know what's fixing to happen. What are you saying? Take the step. And he says, Moses, raise your hands. And all of a sudden... You remember, this, you remember watching it? Maybe it was a prince of Egypt for some of you. You remember watching that, that cartoon, and all of a sudden you see the water, and, it, and the wind begins to blow. And man, I, it's so frustrating that I can't even do it justice. But the wind begins to blow, and the waters begin to move. And as the waters begin to move, they go up on the sides, and now they start walking. As they were walking, the water's just parting, and it's dry ground. Now that's an amazing, amazing feat that the ground is dry because the water would have been saturated in that place and there's no way it's amazing and then they start walking now let me ask you this do you think there could have been fear even in walking through the middle you're you're walking and you're almost wanting to push back and try to push the the walls of water back aren't you but you know if you've ever tried to hold water you can't do it and so you're walking through, and here's what I want to say. And sometimes when you, God begins to move in your life and he says, take the step, it's going to be so full of fear and uncertainty, and you're not going to know where to go, and you're going to go, God, what are you doing? And all what God is trying to teach you is this, trust me. I am big enough. So they take the step, and they take the steps, and they begin to get through it. And now they're getting in the middle now, all along, this is what's pretty amazing, is that God has stopped the Egyptian army 
with that pillar of cloud, that fire, right? It went behind them and it stopped the Egyptians from coming forward. And they get through the middle. And as they're kind of getting through the middle, getting to the other side, now watch. Then the fire moves. And now they can look back and they see the Egyptian army. And now the Egyptian army begins to pursue them. Now, listen. It would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice when you actually begin to do God's will? That everything just got smooth? Wouldn't that be nice? And that there would be no more problems? Man, I would love that. But sometimes when you actually begin to walk, it actually gets worse for you. Now now they're getting through it. And they're going, oh God, here come the Egyptians. What do we do? And they're bearing down on them. And the Bible says, and God sees through the cloud. And he sees the Egyptians coming through. Does that make sense? It was God who stopped them. It was God who allowed them to come through. It's God who's still working. And in your circumstance, you, we cannot forget that God is sovereign. And he's still working even when it looks like everything's falling apart. God is still moving. God is still working. Now watch what the Bible says. Now we get to this part where the Egyptians are coming through. They're following after. And then verse 24. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptians' forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging the chariots' wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them. You see, God gets the glory when you can no longer physically do it. God gets the glory when you can't fight and God begins to fight for you. God gets the glory. And what we want in our life and what we want in the predicament is for God to get the glory. So here we go. So then Moses, the Lord says to Moses, I want you to put your hands down and the waters begin to rush over the Egyptians. Now, remember back, follow me, remember back 40 years earlier when Moses was trying to be the deliverer? And he, how, many, how many Egyptians did he kill? Do you remember? It was only one, right? He's trying to be the deliverer and he kills one. Now, here's what the Bible says. You ready? Go down to verse 30. And it says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Let me ask you something. What God can do in a moment, Moses couldn't do at all. He was able to take out the entire Egyptian army. What can God do if we would get out of the way? Did you catch that? We think we need to help God. And God's saying, really? I got this. Get out of the way. I got this. Now, it might not work out the way you think. I mean, who would have ever thought of water parting and walking through and water drowning? Who would have ever thought of that? Nobody in their wildest dreams, right? We think about it because we know the story now. So here we go. I want to give you four, four just quick little thoughts I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about them because I've just walked you through the passage. But these four thoughts, I think, are going to be able to be very helpful when you and I don't know what to do. What should we do? When we come to a dead end, when we come to a predicament, what do we do? Now, 
that predicament can be any number of things. Something maybe we caused, something that somebody else caused. It could be something that just supernaturally just happens. We don't, I don't know. It's kind of like that story that uh, there was a, a photographer for a national magazine who was asked to report on the forest fire. So he gets the assignment and he calls and makes sure that there's going to be an airplane ready for him so he can jump up and they can go, go in and get some photographs. So he gets to the airport and he immediately he sees an airplane running. So he jumps in and he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Can you go up to the north of the fire and then let's swing down um, and take a couple passes? Sure, no problem. So they go up in the air and then the photographer asks, he says, okay, I want you, can you go down really close? I need it closer. Can you get down closer? Well, sure. Well, why do we need to get so close? He said, the photographer said, I just want, I need to take some pictures. And the man turned to him and said, so you're not the flight instructor? <laughs> a predicament, right? What do you do? So here's four things, ready? Four things that I believe that could probably help us. There could be a lot of other things you could probably write out of this. But let me give you these four. You ready? Coming to a dead end, coming to a predicament is just as much part of God's plan as crossing through it or going through it. We all want to get to the other side. We all want to get there. But coming to it is just a much part of the plan. Does that make sense? Hang on to that. Because what we begin to think is obviously God doesn't care. God doesn't. And coming to it is just as much part. Watch. Next. Number two. Because dead ends, predicaments, expose our greatest fear and they reveal our dependency. Because they do that. Here's what we have to do. When we begin to understand, hey, I'm afraid, hey, I'm, and you begin to look at what you're depending on, you have to stop and say, God, obviously this is something that needs to get out of my life. And sometimes it's only in the predicament that bad habit is revealed or that dependency. So here's what I want to challenge you. Ready? When you're in those moments, you say, okay, God, what is it that I need to get out of my life? What is it that I need to learn? What is it that I need to depend on? Because I want to depend on you more than anything else. I want you and not this thing, okay? Number three. This one is probably one of the the best ones for us. It's faith. Your faith is going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested when you cannot see God working. You're going to ask the questions. Your faith is going to be tested. Do you remember the old song, when when you can't see God's hand working? Trust his heart. Do you remember that? That's exactly where it's at. God so radically loves you. He radically loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And in the moment you can't see him working, you begin to question if he loves you. And I want to say it over and over again. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. One of the great theologians who wrote books and commentaries upon commentaries on the Bible, theological books, and he just wrote tons of them. On his deathbed, they asked him this question. What was the greatest thought that you've ever had about God? You want to hear it? He said, Jesus loves me, this I know. That's a song, isn't it? 
A simple little children's song that we sing over and over again. And we sing it to our kids, and our kids sing it. And it, it, oh, that's just for kids. But here's what, I need, what we fail to remember, is that in our lives, as we get older and older, we begin to question, does God really love us? And I want to say with a resounding yes, God loves you. So when you can't see him working, trust his love. Trust his love. The last thing I want to show you is this. Only God, only God can open and then close the Red Sea. I know that sounds simple. But when you're facing a predicament, there's nowhere to go. There's no good option. Only God can open and close. Only God. So if he hasn't opened it, If he hasn't opened it, then what he's wanting you to do is press in and lean into him because there's something else you still need to learn. Press in. Don't run. Press in. And when you press in, then it allows God to be God and God to work and to open or close whatever he needs to do in your life. Thanks for listening to the Oaks Cast. The Oaks meets on Sundays at 9 a.m. for traditional service and 10.30 a.m. for contemporary service. For more information, you can visit us at discovertheoaks.org. Thank you.